Welcome to fabulous Las Vegas, where the Super Bowl touches down in Sin City. As Kenny Rogers sang, you gotta know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, and know when to run. The Chiefs arrive at Allegiant Stadium looking for a rare Super Bowl double. And who would bet against Patrick Mahomes? Mr. Irrelevant, that's who. Brock Purdy has the long odd story to beat them all and a clutch of 49ers aces up his sleeve. You never count your money when you're sitting at the table, but when the dealing is done, who will hoist the Lombardi Trophy? The Irish NFL Show, Las Vegas, Super Bowl, the Irish NFL 58. Show, Super Bowl 58 preview, live from Las Vegas, Nevada, overlooking Allegiant Stadium in the background here in association with our partner, Quinbet, and with Thanks to our friends at CBS again for very graciously allowing us to use their broadcast platform here overlooking the stadium. Brian, it's been a really busy week here in Las Vegas. I'm supposed to give people watching in Ireland a bit of a flavour of what's been going on. It's very different to say the build-up to an All-Ireland final, which is much more about the day itself. The NFL makes a virtue of building a whole week out of the Super Bowl. There's something every day. The strip has been alive with activity, with music, with player interviews, with the, the, the honours night, obviously, where... Lamar Jackson was crowned MVP after the regular season. It's a very busy week, but also a very entertaining one. Yeah, very much so. I always compare this week to going to Cheltenham. You arrive at Cheltenham, the chaos, except the chaos here lasts for, for the bones of a week, as you said. But it's a great experience for all people, whether you're doing it, I suppose, the manner in which we're here to do, various fans, fans' opportunities, the NFL experience, and obviously the big award ceremony, and now fans stay close up front to the players. And uh, it's a great experience. You get such open access. It's, we're kind of very fortunate when we're here. You get the experience of interviewing people, players, former players, media outlets, and everyone makes themselves really freely available. It's a wonderful experience for anyone who gets to be involved. And, you know, topped off by a fantastic stage and a fantastic city. And anybody who's been around Vegas over the course of the week will watch. It's been really busy. Come Friday, you could really kind of sense the, the enormity of it. It's a Super Bowl weekend. So many people in town. Obviously, we were at U2 last night. The chaos is trying to get out of there. And you could really feel sense of excitement in town last night coming home. It's nice to know that it's not only in Dublin where you struggle to get a taxi home after a concert. We didn't even have that far to go, but it's uh, still a bit of a trip. bit of carnage, was, I think, is how you described one. it last night. <laughs> and it is a very impressive facility. I mean, obviously you've seen it on television many times, but when you get up close and personal to it, um, you can see where those couple of billion dollars of taxpayers' money were spent. Yeah. We've been quite fortunate the last few years. We, we've experienced SoFi in LA. We were in Arizona last year. Right now, I'd have to say this one kind of tops it off. It's a fantastic stadium. You can understand what the NFL wants, wants to bring a Super Bowl to Las Vegas. Beautiful stadium. It's the home of the Raiders. And I'm really looking forward to being in there tomorrow. It's going to be a wonderful day. The other thing I've been really struck by, again, you know, in comparison to, say, sporting events that we're a little bit more familiar with experiencing in the flesh back home, is so many people here who have no intention of going to the game. They're here for the experience. They'll watch at one of the watch parties. They'll watch at one of the buffets in one of the hotels. There's everywhere you could possibly... Uh, trip across somebody's ha having a buffet or having a lunch or having an event or a watch party there's people streaming in from the airport particularly over the last day or two you really saw the pickup in numbers in chiefs jerseys and 49ers jerseys and jerseys from many other teams as well we we stumbled across two uh, baltimore ravens fans or it might be slightly more accurate to say they stumbled across us this morning after a great fun that night out and they were a little bit the worse for wear but they had booked hoping to be here to see the ravens play it didn't work out that way yeah yeah they certainly were stumbling and unfortunately, the, the Ravens stumbled in, in the, the 11th hour against the Chiefs. But uh, yeah, some very noticeable, you touched on it there, the amount of fans in town with various jerseys, very different to what, we're, what we experience at home. All-Ireland weekend at home, 
you know, no matter who's playing, it's very much predominantly the two colours that are on show across the city throughout the course of the weekend, whether it's the hurling or the football. But yeah, very evident over, over the course of the last 48 hours. A number of jerseys in town, everyone here to experience it. A lot of Ravens fans here because, yeah, rightly, rightly so, they felt they would be here. They were the AFC one seed. Obviously, the Chiefs beat them in the championship game. They've, they've decided to take on the experience of Vegas for the weekend, but haven't spoke to a few of them. They're still licking their wounds like two weeks later that they should be in there tomorrow. Not to be Chiefs 49ers. Chiefs 49ers, well, I called that start of the season, Connor. You called it out of the start of the season, but you backed out of the Chiefs pick in the AFC Championship game. I'm not going to let you forget that. I called the Chiefs. I'm going I'm to take the brownie points for that one. Thanks very much. Um, speaking of people with wounds to lick, I bumped into a Lions fan this morning. Again, very hopeful of seeing a historic Super Bowl it's and tough, seeing the Lions make tough. their bow for the first time. You couldn't help but feel for them. I know even with my Chicago Bears colors on, I, I, I couldn't help but feel for them. It's a, it's a very, very tough situation to be in. But again, here to enjoy the experience and the, you know, the, the marquee event that it is for the, for the NFL Super Bowl 58. And we'll talk about how both teams made their way here and how the 49ers and the Chiefs are, are building up to uh, the event in just a short little while if you stick with us. We're also going to be speaking to Matt Derrick from ChiefsDigest.com. He's going to get us inside the Chiefs camp and what we can expect to see uh, from them in the big game tomorrow. Welcome back to the Irish NFL show Super Bowl 58 preview from our spot here overlooking Allegiant Stadium where the Chiefs and the 49ers will do battle tomorrow afternoon. Our time here uh, tomorrow night, Irish time, half 11 kickoff, of course. Um, Brian, Let's discuss how both teams got here um, ahead of the big game. For the 49ers, unbelievably hot start to the season. It was interesting what happened then when you had that you know, injury to McCaffrey. He was still able to play, but not quite at the same level. Trent Williams going down was huge. And suddenly they hit a speed bump from which it took them a little bit of time to recover. They did. They lost, they lost three in a row. I don't want to steal Colin's thunder here because he loves this line, but he always suggests he have the best nucleus of a team in the NFL. You look over the, over the 22 teams, First teamers, and when they lost some players, they had some difficult moments. You've got to get the quote right. It's best starters yeah, in the NFL starters. trademark. Colin has that T-shirt. He'll be selling them outside <laughs> know, the stadium that's why tomorrow. They want to take them full. But uh, I think the key piece was they got their bye week at a critical time. They'd lost the tree. They came off the bye week. They were on the road in Jacksonville. Now, even in that game, we were suggesting, are they are they right? Are they going to come back again? And they came out came out of blocks. It reminded me that game of how they played in Week One in Pittsburgh. They came out dumbed immediately, put the game away very early comprehensive victory and from there you could argue they've been the most consistent team over the course of the season they were so consistent they were a touchdown favorite on christmas night against the ravens who ended up being the one seed the ravens went in and knocked them off and again that kind of got them back again what slightly concerns me is fantastic season we're going into the playoffs they've been very slow in both the divisional round championship round we touched on it yesterday at the bellagio piece if they fall into that situation tomorrow will they have enough to recover against arguably one of the best defenses in the league Colm, they're favoured for a reason, as Brian touches on there, because they've been the most consistent team over the course of the season. And people are looking at their body of work and saying they're justifiably favourites heading into this game. However, you know, we look back on the regular season now, they smashed the Cowboys. We saw what happened to the Cowboys in the playoffs. They smashed the uh, the, the Eagles, which again was, was what we thought was a statement victory at the time. Then we saw what happened to the Eagles down the stretch. Um, and that Ravens defeat on Christmas was... Probably the first thing that really threw doubt into people's mind that maybe they're not built to, to go and win the Lombardi. However, um, since then, they've kind of righted the ship. Yeah, I think the, the big piece for them is they've come back to win games. And that is something that Kyle Shanahan teams had struggled with previously, the 49ers teams had struggled with. And so I think that ability and Brock Purdy showing that ability uh, gives maybe people confidence. It's funny, I uh, listen to a lot of the other podcasts, The Athletic, The Ringer, 
they came into this week with kind of feeling really good about the Chiefs as the week has gone on. A lot of feeling about the, the 49ers, that run game, Christian McCaffrey. Um, but the defense is going to be worried, particularly the, talked a little bit about it yesterday, the ability to stop the run up the middle. They have struggled in that area and the Chiefs with Pacheco, that is an area they can exploit. But the thing is that, like, and we're going to get into this in, in a little bit, like all season long, they have found answers, whether that is McCaffrey, whether that is Debo, whether that is Ayuk, whether that is Brock Purdy using his, his legs. Um, and yeah, there have been wobbles. That Ravens game in particular is the one that stands out. But overall, I mean, they are, if you were to look at the regular season, I think, uh, so, you know, on the NFC side, you would say they are the dominant team. They're called the Monsters for a reason. <laughs> to give you your flowers as well, Colin, before we go back to Brian, and when you talked about them having the best starters in the NFL, critical to any team's success heading into the playoffs and, and, and trying to win, win it all is that you keep your best players injury-free, which they've largely managed to do. And they've had luck this season with injuries that they just didn't have, particularly last year and in previous seasons, which has derailed their title bids. Yeah, you, you have to get lucky, right? No, you have to get uh, fortunate with injuries. You have to get fortunate with turnovers uh, in order to win a Lombardi. And it could come down to luck uh, tomorrow evening. The, you saw, though, if Trent Richardson... He, he is such a key piece, and McCaffrey is such a key piece. If you lose Trent, that line does not look the same in any way, shape, or form. Um, he holds it all together, and his ability to you know get down the field. Uh, I have heard Brian, Brian might not know the odds, but I, I know that uh, so there's been some uh, some money go towards Trent Williams catching a, a, a touchdown pass. In this, a lot of talk about potentially a trick play. Um, but yeah, you need the, for, the good fortune. They have had it, and they were coming in with pretty much um, you know, a clean bill of health, it seems, uh, into this weekend. Our Quinn bet, um, betting previews available tomorrow. There's no prices or consideration for, for Trent Williams. That's, uh, that's We'll put that on the yeah, banner. That's Colin. Let's bring that as a missed opportunity as Colin said it, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about the Chiefs now, Brian. Again, they actually started the season in terms of wins and losses on a hot streak, but it was anything but that on the pitch. You know, loss on opening nights of the Lions, then they bounce back and win five straight. But the thing that characterized that early stretch in particular was drops. Your old friend Kadarius Tony of Giants fame, man of the moment in last year's Super Bowl, couldn't catch a cold to start this season. Yeah, and it was really very evident on the sideline, the frustration which Patrick Mahomes was experiencing time and time again. You know, you can see him talking to himself, the, the game in Foxborough in particular, Kadarius Tony dropped the number of them, and I was like, "Effing, when is he effing going to catch the ball?" But like, we're pointing at him. But you know, Scantling's had his difficult. Mark Scantling had his difficulty throughout the course of the season. Kelsey hasn't had the, the drops at the charge time because he hasn't been seen in many games. We spoke about it on PCS around the game, in particular in in, in uh, Frankfurt, not in the game. Very underused at times throughout the course of the season. Obviously, we speak about the playoffs; it's turned around. But yeah, very inconsistent offense for large parts of the season and very different experience from what you used to with the Chiefs in terms of how do you get to the Super Bowl. Usually it's on Mahomes putting the team there. Not the case this year, very much with the defense to the fore. Like the 49ers then, Colin, they hit this wobble in the middle of the season. They go three and five and they're sitting at eight and six and we're starting to talk at that point about whether this team is even going to win the division and make the playoffs, that they might scrape a wild card. Then they go on a bit of a run. It's still not looking perfect, but they're finding ways to win games, which now has become the theme of the Chiefs season. Yeah, no, it has. And I think the Raiders game, and we'll probably get into uh, this more when Matt uh, joins us, but the, the Raiders game changed everything. The loss on Christmas Day, Patrick Mahomes seems to have gone away after that and said, right, it's back to basics. We are going to look at how we are doing things. We're trying to force it uh, too much. And they have. And 
while yeah, Brian is right to say like it, it hasn't been Mahomes in, in some ways that has carried him here. In, in other ways, I would argue Mahomes is almost playing the best football of his career right now through the playoffs. He's, he is doing exactly what they need him to be. When they need him uh, to not turn the ball over, he isn't turning the ball over. When they need him to make a big play, he's making a big play. When they need him to scramble, he's, he's scrambling. He just has all of the, the answers. And so that is, I think, one of the things about the, the Chiefs is even with all the drops, even with Mahomes going through that frustration, you still have Patrick Mahomes. He can still make magic happen at any moment in time. And he, that, like it has been fascinating to watch, though, because it is different. This is a Chiefs team who um, have at other times made it to a Super Bowl where they've been given up 25 points a game in the playoffs. This year, defense is fourth best in terms of points allowed in the playoffs since 2000. Brian, Colin switched on it a, a little bit earlier that, you know, um, the, the Chiefs' ability to, to, to dig dig games out. And, you know, we, we've heard so many experts this week predicting a Chiefs victory, going against uh, the odds, even though the 49ers are favored. You've actually struggled to find too many people who are who are favoring the, the 49ers with their picks heading surprised. into this game. But I suppose if, if there's a reason for that, it's it's the two playoff games on the road against the Bills and the Ravens, and particularly, particularly the Ravens game, because what it showed us was that from a playing perspective and from a coaching perspective, there is no ideologically driven Chiefs game plan. It's whatever it takes. Yeah, and I think you touched on it on the shows back home over the course of the playoffs around the ability for the team to put themselves in a mindset where nobody nobody believes us believes anymore. We saw that in the past with the Patriots when they were building up Super Bowls. They get to a time of the season, and it's very much in-house mentality. You know, what's, what's perceived on the outside is probably very different from what's been said on the inside. But Andy Reid has a way of putting this team together and kind of taking out the noise of what, what the season was and, and removing all that and say, we're here, we're essentially two games away from the Super Bowl when we consider they were going into Buffalo, not favourites for that game, not favourites for the Ravens game. And the Bills, I think the Ravens, game, sorry, the Bills game in particular, because of the nature of how many times they played each other, because of the nature of the last few years with the Bills, you could argue, had their number in regular season games. We saw the one during the season where Kadarius Tony catches the, the lateral from Kelsey. It comes back, we saw after that game, how frustrated the team was that the play wasn't allowed. And yet, when it came to the playoffs, we saw the, we saw the quality and the character of this team come back. And that, that narrative is similar for both teams in a funny respect, Colin, because the Chiefs have a very different view of themselves from the outside world, where most people look at them and go, well, you're never really an underdog when you've got Patrick Mahomes. They have this whole chip on their shoulder thing going on. The Niners, on the other hand, people have been doubting Brock Purdy from the outside. I mean, Dan Graciano took, took, touched on it from ESPN when we were talking to him over in Media Center the other day, saying, they have a completely different view of their quarterback. They're ride or die, Brock Purdy. They believe in him all day long. Yeah, and uh, look, you, you expect that from your teammates. Though, I, I will say, outside of some fringe lunatics on social media, I don't think there are people doubt, doubting Brock Purdy. Like, in terms of, I think most people would say Brock Purdy is a very good quarterback who is, like, really good use of his legs. Is, is he better running the Shanahan system than Jimmy G? Yes, he is. Is he Patrick Holmes? No, he's not. But I think what gets hurt is when you say he's not Patrick Holmes, it's like, well, you think he, he's incapable of winning a Super Bowl. And I don't think that is the case, but it, it, that siege mentality works. Yeah. And it's not like it, what's funny is uh, even people like who Richard Sherman, who's so synonymous with the Seahawks, has become this Brock Purdy rider die yeah. guy. And they've built up that siege mentality. And you see it that it's definitely coming together. And they will be going all out to prove everybody in their mind wrong and get. The, Brock Purdy hoisting the Lombardi and Trent Williams hoisting him on the shoulders. Yeah. One of the points I will say about that in, in, in Purdy's favor, and it kind of really annoys me when people hit him with this. Like we talked about the stat where 47% of the passing yards are yak. 
But he's got George Kittle to throw to, and he's got Brandon Ayuk to throw to, and he's got Debo Samuel to throw to. You don't need to heave the ball down the field 40 yards in the air. Those guys can catch it on intermediate routes and just bulldoze their way through. You use the weapons that you have around you. That's why Kyle Shanahan has built the offense the way he's built it and why they're there. Well, is that the nature of the conversation we've had pre- time and time again is some quarterbacks end up in the right place, the right time, in the right situation. We're talking about Patrick Mahomes going to Kansas City in terms of where he was selected in the when draft. When he could have gone to Chicago and they would have destroyed him. Yeah. This, is, this is to the point of Brock Purdy, Purdy down the draft board, ends up being selected by someone else and he comes in and he struggles early on in his career because he doesn't have players around him. Are we having a very different conversation? Yeah, he's got all the attributes, but he's also got some great quality players around him. This notion and conversation that people are very down on, on Brock Purdy is it's ludicrous. Like He's here for a reason. You know, he's, he's he is the right guy at quarterback to bring this team to the Super Bowl. Jimmy G was moved off for a reason. They were getting to the periphery. They were nearly there, and they couldn't get over the nine. They didn't get over the nine against the Chiefs in the previous Super Bowl in Miami. They felt they needed to – yeah, you could argue they could have fallen into this situation inadvertently, and we've seen that over the course of the last 10 years with certain teams, certain quarterbacks. But he's here on Mary. You know, he's coming back – let's not forget, he's coming back off a difficult situation with a long-term sustainable injury at the end of last season. Went off, did the operation. Even this week, Shanahan is talking about – yeah, we did make have a conversation about Tom Brady because we weren't sure where we we're going to be. He's come back. They're here. I don't think anybody. I think the argument should be put away. No, big time. Look, and when we come back in about 60 seconds time, we're going to get into some of the playmakers that Patrick Mahomes has around him and also some of the playmakers that the Chiefs have on defense. And we're very excited to have with us Matt Do- Derek from ChiefsDigest.com to chat that up, chat that up with us in just about a minute's time. We're, we're live. We're live. <laughs> Welcome back to the Irish NFL show. We are live from Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, Nevada, ahead of Super Bowl 58, which takes place right here behind us tomorrow. We're delighted to be joined by Matt Derrick from ChiefsDigest.com. Matt, thanks very much for taking time out of what I'm sure is a very busy day for you uh, to wrap with us here about the Chiefs playmakers. The story at the start of this season was not so much about the supporting cast around Patrick Mahomes, but the, the lack thereof. We touched on it a little bit earlier, those drops, particularly in that opening night loss to the Detroit Lions. You know, you were looking around suddenly going, who's, who's going to catch the ball and who's going to power this team on what had been assumed before the start of the season to be the beginnings of a back-to-back run, right? They were the favourites heading into the season, and we tend to forget that with the way the season started. Well, and you can't forget how the season started with the losing streak in the middle. This team was six and one after that opening opening week loss, and it didn't necessarily, you know, the offense was struggling. There were drops, but Andy Reid kept saying, "Hey, as soon as the drops get fixed, this team will be fine." And and that never really happened during the regular season. Um, they were fortunate that the defense carried them along. Um, defense led the way, but the one consistent thing about this offense and with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes was that they remained faithful in their playmaking that they were going to stay, were going to stay with him. They were going to stick with it. And they believed that they would get out of it. And in the postseason, they've managed to put those mistakes behind them. One thing that has worked season long is the run game. And Isaiah Pacheco has been immense for this team. Yeah, he really has. He is a punishing runner. There is no doubt about it. Um, you know, it's. I, I think it's hard to draw a comparison with him because of just how powerful he runs at his size. He's not the biggest guy in the world. Um, and he's not necessarily the fastest guy either. But um, when he sees a hole, he absolutely pounds it. He's difficult to bring down. He's one of the more difficult players in the league to bring down after contact. And he very rarely gets stuffed at the line. And that's important. I mean, just getting a yard or two sometimes when nothing's there is a big deal. I feel bad for Chiefs beat writers because you must have absolutely exhausted the thesaurus right now for words to describe the way Isaiah Pacheco runs. It's become a whole side conversation throughout this season. Yeah, I mean, you can say he runs furiously. I know he's been said he, he runs like he's angry at the ground. Um, yeah, you, you you definitely run out of adjectives and, uh, and analogies to come up with for, for Isaiah. 
I suppose my, I'm interested in your take as somebody who covers the chief on the in on the ground, right? This is a season we've talked about the struggles, but they lose to my Broncos after since first down since 2015. Then they lose on Christmas Day to the Raiders. Like what? What was it that turned things around? How did they go from the team that was so inconsistent? And as you said, it, there was drafts, but there were other things as well, to a team who then in the last games and in the playoffs have been, have just looked, Patrick Holmes has done exactly what he needed to do. Travis Kelsey has, has reemerged. And they, they went into Buffalo and they put a, a marker down. Then they went into Baltimore and they put another marker down. Like, what was it that turned around? I mean, it was, you could see it as an evolution throughout the season. You know, when they were struggling early on, especially, if you looked at Mahomes' numbers, you would see that throwing the ball short, throwing intermediate throws, he was the same as he always was. I mean, his numbers were not any different. The real challenge was that he was turning over the ball at a ridiculous rate on deep throws. They weren't hitting on them. And, you know, whether you want to measure it by EPA or just traditional looking at the film, you would say that the Chiefs deep ball game wasn't there. Um, and, and throughout the season, he kind of started to accept the fact that, you know what, I can't push it because teams are, are just forcing us to throw the ball. They're daring the team to throw the ball underneath and we're doing everything they could to take away the deep ball. As he slowly started to accept that, you know, it, things got better. But there's no doubt that Christmas Day loss to the Raiders was absolutely a wake-up call. This team has been different. Their energy has been different. Normally, this team, it seems like they wake up when the calendar turns to December. They didn't do that this year. That was the real curious thing to me. And I, I thought after that, this team doesn't have that gear this year. But that Raiders loss, that changed everything. They've been a different team since then. And can I, I ask you a little bit, because it's come up about, uh, for me, with talking to people around Radio Road this week, the, the villain arc, right? Um, and they they seem to have really enjoyed it. And we saw kind of Travis here at opening night. He was he was here in the booth. He was enjoying it. I suppose I'm interested in in that. Is is that something that the the, the Chiefs are, are like themselves are aware of and playing playing up a little bit? I mean, the heard uh, Andy Reid get booed here the the other night, like. How much of a factor is that playing into the mentality that the Chiefs are going to bring to the game? I mean, it's a factor. Do I think it's the overriding factor? No. But uh, there's a few guys who are so competitive on this team, Patrick being chief among them. But Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones, there's other guys as well. Um, anything that they can take to motivate them, they're going to take. And we've seen with, you know, in, in Kansas City, Patrick has an affectionate nickname. I may have told you this before. It's Petty Mahomes that he can take any slide and turning it into motivation. So when you tell this team that they're underdogs, they're going to embrace that. And I thought Patrick said it really well the other day. You know, it's not that he embraces being the villain, but he's like, if winning makes you a villain, then he's okay with that. And so if that's what they've turned into, they're going to lean into it. And if they can get an ounce of motivation from it, they're going to take it. The, the dynasty jacket comes with all the hate you can eat. <laughs> exactly. I think that, that's part of the territory, right? But. Talk to us about Rasheed Rice, because he's been one of the bright spots on that offense, a guy who's really stepped up when, when other people, frankly, were stepping back. Yeah, it's been really remarkable. And, you know, part of it is obviously Rasheed himself. He came out of college very polished as a route runner. There were so many things that he already understood, and especially against zone defenses. You know, he did struggle a little bit early as just kind of getting and understanding some of the multiple looks that you get in the NFL level. Um, but that's the one thing that stands him out from the rest of that group, is that he really understands how to work zones. He's picked up a lot from Travis Kelsey this year. And when you can find those soft spots and make yourself available to the quarterback, you can make some plays. So that's the big thing to me about how he stands out. But, you know, having the year he's had as a rookie under Andy Reid, 
is ridiculous. I mean, this was the kind of year Deshaun Jackson had as a rookie. So as a second round guy coming in, it's incredibly impressive. And, you know, his attitude and just overall demeanor has been really impressive too. If you look at the Chiefs Super Bowl resume, we can put it that way. You know, we think about that Tampa Bay loss when the Chiefs actually were favorites going into that game and how the O-line really let the team down ultimately. One of the really impressive things this year has been, even with Joe Tooney injured, and that probably put a lot of doubt in people's minds ahead of that Ravens game, Nick Allegretti has really stepped up. The offensive line during the playoffs in particular has been immense. They've really kept Mahomes clean. Yeah, and that's another thing that has come throughout the season because, remember, this team started with two new tackles on the outside, mm -hmm. and the chemistry and communication wasn't always there early. So they have really involved as a group. They've been working together. It was really a question to me when the playoffs got there whether Donovan Smith coming back from injury was going to be able to slide in seamlessly. And, and he really has it left tackle and solidified that position. Yeah, you miss an all-pro like Joe Tooney. There's no doubt about it. But Nick Allegretti's been there five years. This is going to be his fifth postseason start. He started in the Super Bowl before. And, you know, remember back to that, that Super Bowl in Tampa Bay, remember – four of the Chiefs' five starters were either backups or in different positions because of so many injuries. This year, you're only dealing with Joe Tooney, so it's a diff it's a blow, but this team has shown so far they're able to handle it. A little bit on Andy Reid. Um, you know, he's back again. This is, and I suppose, in contrast to Shanahan, right? Because Andy, previous to winning it, suffered from many of the criticisms that are now leveled at Kyle Shanahan. Both incredible offensive minds, incredible schemes, um, but ultimately couldn't get it done. But Andy looks like he's having the time of his life. He's very relaxed this week, whereas Kyle is kind of chewing at the bit. A lot of the same stuff that came up four years ago, we're hearing the same sort of stuff. The alarm goes off. 49ers talk about that day in, day out. Andy just seems to be enjoying life. He's got his Hawaiian shirts. Is this that he is just, is this outward poise? Is, is, is this like a duck and the, everything's going on inside? Or is he at a point now where he knows how good he is? He knows how good Patrick is. He knows how good this team can be that he does have that confidence and he's just walking around because it's business as usual. Yeah, I, my hot take has been for a while now that Andy Reid has always been Andy Reid. The difference was that, I mean, in the past, he took good quarterbacks and made them great. Now he's got a great quarterback that he can turn into a legend and a Hall of Famer. And, you know, not, no knock against Alex Smith and Donovan McNabb. They were fine quarterbacks. But going back and, and watching, you know, in the Super Bowl that you know, the Eagles lost under Andy Reid, I mean, it wasn't Andy Reid who lost that game. I mean, it was it was Donovan McNabb not making some deep throws that they needed and pushing the ball at the right times. And so, you know, that to me is a, a similarity that Kyle Shanahan and Andy Reid share. You get a Super Bowl ring and nobody's going to remember 28 to 3. You get a second Super Bowl ring and nobody's ever going to talk about, you know, Super Bowl 54 again. And Andy Reid's been the same way. You know, you get, a, you, you get your first Super Bowl, suddenly people don't stop to talk about you, you know, not being able to manage the clock anymore. You want a second ring and nobody brings it up. Uh, so that's why Kyle Shanahan's, you know, kind of in the position too. I mean, if he gets a Super Bowl, things will start to get better for him. And I think he's going to get one. Whether it's this year or not is the question. Looking at Andy Reid, I can't help but think of that great Montgomery Burns line from The Simpsons. I'd give it all up tomorrow for a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the defensive side of the ball, though, Matt, because that has been the standout for the Chiefs. It's, it's almost embarrassing that we've spent so much time talking about the offense when you think that really it's Steve Spagnuolo and that defense that the team has had to lean on for, for those lean periods during, during the season. And it's a big part of the reason why they're here. Probably no bigger part of that than, than Chris Jones. 
Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, Chris Jones is one of the best players in the NFL, period. Certainly one of the best interior players. And and on top of that, I mean, he's just a team leader. I mean, not only do the guys, you know, look to him, um, he's been a steady force throughout the season. And, you know, and the contract issue in the offseason was a challenge for everybody. But once they were able to put that behind them, obviously Chris came in and it was his usual self. So that's been a big deal to this team. But also the way that they deploy him. I mean, if you're an offense, you have to worry about where Chris Jones is at all times. And he's not going to be in the same place every time. I mean, that's the benefit. Steve Spagnuolo and Joe Coleman, defensive line coach, love to move those guys around and bring them from different positions. And Chris has a lot of flexibility to choose his matchup. So if he's got a place he wants to line up in this game, that where he feels like he's got an advantage, that's where he can start. And they trust him to do that. I'm wondering, because the like obviously the focus is on the defense this year, but the Spags defenses do this all the time, right? They, this year it just has been a step up probably during the regular season, but every year during, it gets to December, as you said, the Chiefs start playing, playoffs, they really begin to turn the screw. Why do you think that they haven't got more opportunities? We're talking Spags, I'm talking Brendan Daly. Like the Chiefs have been able to keep that nucleus together. They've been really good for so long, and yet they haven't been kind of, look, other teams haven't looked to push them despite the success they've had. Yeah, you know, and it's been a little bit different in each situation. You know, um, like Dave Merritt is a, a great cornerbacks coach, and he's going to be a defensive coordinator in this league. Uh, but his kids are in high school. He wants to get them out before he kind of moves on. So that's why he's been in Kansas City as long as he has. Once he's ready for the next level, somebody's going to hire him immediately. Um, Brenda Daly's you know, moved to linebacker a couple of years ago, and I think that's been good for him to kind of show that. But when you can make deep runs in the playoffs every year, it gets difficult to look for jobs in the interview. And Joe Cullen is just absolutely one of the best in the biz. There's no doubt about that. Um, he was the coordinator in, in Jacksonville for a year, but that was a very difficult situation. I don't think that should be on, on his blemish on his on his record because of the situation he was in. Um, you look at what he's done with this defensive line the last two years. You know, being number two in the league in sacks, back-to-back seasons, that consistent is crazy. And there's no doubt Joe Cullen should be a coach. But once again, it gets into you go to the Super Bowl every year, your interview opportunities shrink up. One of the things, you know, I, I think about when you talk about successful teams and to build a dynasty, as we know, you've got to draft well because the NFL is going to punish you for every little bit of success you have. We want the league to be equal. The NFL wants the league to, to tend towards parity. But the Chiefs have drafted really well. Like Since the Tyreek Hill move, they've replaced, funnily enough, on the defensive side of the ball, Tyreek Hill with some incredible ballers. Jerry Snee, Trent McDuffie and others have really been you know, keys to why this, the Chiefs remain successful. Yeah, and, and General Manager Brett Veach has been able to do it without a lot of first-round picks. I mean, when he got the job in 2017, Chiefs didn't have an 18 pick because they gave it up for Patrick Mahomes. Good choice, by the way. Um, they used their 19 pick to get Frank Clark, you know, and they traded their 21 pick. I mean, they get Orlando Brown. So, you know, they haven't had a lot of first-round picks. So what they've had to do is capitalize in the middle and late rounds, and that's where they absolutely have crushed it. Uh, you know, landing in the second round, you know, Nick Bolton and Creed Humphrey is incredible. Getting a Trey Smith in the sixth round, um, even going to the late round picks, you know, or undrafted players, Isaiah Pacheco, seventh round pick, Traveris Ward playing for the 49ers, one of their guys that they picked up in a trade to Dallas, who was an undrafted player for the Cowboys. Um, they're just littered up and down with fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh undrafted players playing key roles and key spots. And that's what you have to do when you're drafting either late in the first round or you don't have that pick. And and Brett had a couple of rough drafts in you know, 17 and eight, or 18 and 19 his first couple of years. But he's done a much better job of addressing needs, 
not reaching and really focusing on his draft board of making sure they get value and not maybe just saying, you know what, we're going to take the best defensive end here, even though maybe this is the third round, this is the fifth round guy, we're going to go with the value and, and maybe to draft somebody we don't need and turn him into what we need. One of the things that I, I've heard analysts talk about, right, on this Chiefs defense in particular is the tackling. But yes, the other night, opening night, when Spags was talking and Brendan Daly and the other um, coaching staff on the, the defensive side, they talked about how smart these players are. Um, and I'm wondering for, for you as somebody who sees it, like what is, is it that combination? But why is it that all the analysts talk only of the tackling and the coaching staff are talking about how smart the, the players are? And you talk to the players and you can see the affection that they have. And I mean, that was the same um, as four years ago. They, they, there seems to be a real bond between the defensive players and their coaching staff. I'm just wondering from your end, what is it that has been the secret sauce that has made them so good this year? You know, it's really curious because I have to say, uh, this is the most bizarre team in the world when you think about the fact that we had an argument in the defensive line group this year about whose ACT score was higher. I mean, you don't see that very often. Um, but, you know, you've got a guy like Justin Reed with Stanford. I mean, he's clearly one of the you know, smartest players in that locker room. Drew, he and Drew Tranquil are chess players, um, you know, com competitive level chess players. I mean, you've got such an incredible mix of, of different guys in there with a different mix of skill sets and, and interests. And I think that helps them. I mean, this is definitely one of the more harmonious locker rooms that I've seen. And the fact that they have those kind of relationships, I think, helps because, you know, that, that kind of communication off the field translates on the field. So when you've got that and you've got players that you've drafted who have a high football IQ, um, their scouting department puts a premium on that. So when you bring those type of players in and you're getting the right mix in your locker room, I mean, it's a multiplier. You know, you do start to turn that team into, you know, being something that's more valuable than some of its parts. Matt, before we let you go, and, you know, by the way, you can check out Matt's work on ChiefsDigest.com and you can get all this sort of insight all the time. And um, we've been very lucky to have you giving us a little bit of intel here. But what should we be looking for from the Chiefs tomorrow? What's your, your parting thought uh, for our Irish audience watching the game? Well, if the Chiefs win, I mean, I think it's because offensively they control the football. They don't make mistakes. They don't commit dumb penalties. They don't turn it over. They're not having a bunch of drops. I mean, if they can just, you know, if, if Patrick Mahomes can go out and be the executive game manager that he can be and just control the pace and the tempo, they're going to win this game. Um, defensively, obviously, they want to stop the 49ers on first and second down. If they can keep Christian McCaffrey in check, force these 49ers into a third and long situation, that's where they want Brock Purdy because they believe that they can go after him. They think they can make him uncomfortable and create big plays and turnovers on third down. So if the Chiefs win on first and second down on defense and they're winning on first and second down on offense, they're going to win this game. Matt, thanks again for giving us some of your valuable time today. We really do appreciate it. We're going to be talking about some of the San Francisco offensive and defensive players who will be trying to stop that prophecy from coming true uh, in about 60 seconds time when we come back here on the Irish NFL Show. In association with our partner, Quinbet, at a slightly windy but beautifully sunny Allegiant Stadium where we're taking our final look at the keys to the game for tomorrow's matchup between the San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. We've been talking uh, Kansas City playmakers with Matt Derrick of ChiefsDigest.com and Brian it's not like the 49ers are lacking in any way in playmakers on either side of the ball. Let's start on offense. Um, Brock Purdy, we, we, we've we spoken about him time and time again on the show, but he's earned his shot here to win a, to win a ring. And it's, it's, a, it's a remarkable story. And it's a pity that in some ways it's kind of been mired in a little bit of pettiness about, oh, how good is Brock Purdy? My God, he's good enough to get them to a Super Bowl and he might well be good enough to win it. Yeah, and you could argue over the last two games and there's been various different kind of scenario conversations around how he was perceived after both games would... Let's not take away the fact against the Packers when the, when the drive was needed, 
even pulled it off, and there was a great running play in that particular drive. And I know Forge and his fans were so excited. Some of them were referring to it as a Joe Montana type drive, and some people were kind of raising the eyebrows. But it was, look, let's, let's be fair, it's a divisional round, the pressure's on. He pulled it out, and then it cost the second half. And well, sometimes you need a lucky play, and we've seen over the course of the years, this, you know, Colorado refers to the, the airplane, and you know, with John Elway and helmet catches. You could argue the Brandon Hoyer catch in the last game, maybe the one in four or five years, and say what, that was the one. What, what would the Ravens have given for that kind of drive from Lamar Jackson when they needed it most against Kansas City? The guy that collected the uh, the MVP trophy just a day ago. You could argue they did get that play with Zay Flowers before it all went wrong, and, and True. <laughs> <laughs> he dropped the ball in the end zone. Back to the point. Are you going to start the end zone? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> um, yeah, look, the second half again, look, he, he had to show what he was made of in terms of the comeback there. 17 points down at half time. He has a great, fantastic drive to start the second half, results in a field goal. And from there on, as you said on the show, too, he said they scored and it was four competitive drives in a, in a row where, where they put scores away, touchdowns. And again, he proved the point. But yeah, like we touched on it earlier on in the show. It's unfortunate that Sansa are out there, on, you know, people's important what they believe him to be but look he is a little bit pressure for him tomorrow he didn't want to you know he, he we talked we spoke with joe burrow a couple years ago joe burrow won a super bowl he has been back dan marina was in one super bowl he said i'll be back he did a coke that summer you're here for the one i'll be here for the long term he wasn't back again he needs to you know capitalize on the opportunity tomorrow get the ring you just don't know when you're going to be back or not column um i don't want to overstate the case here but for me if christian mccaffrey has a good game if the chiefs can't stop christian mccaffrey they're not winning this match I think that's fair. I mean, I, I, he's the most dangerous non-quarterback in the game. And the quarterbacks are more dangerous because they get the, the ball more frequently. He pulled more MVP votes than, than Brock Purdy did. He's sensational. Like, the ball in his hand. Running back, catching the ball. A guy who loves physical contact um, and who is driven. A guy who grew up in it, so he's steeped in it. He, so he, big games don't phase him. He is everything um, that, that you would want. And can you imagine what it's like for the Panthers, uh, you know, look, looking on? Because um, he, he was sensational for them, but he had the injuries. He's come to San Francisco. And after a couple of games they, where they were trying to figure out exactly how to use him, he has been their best offensive weapon. And, yeah, to me, the key uh, piece that the Chiefs defense tomorrow is how do you stop Christian McCaffrey? If you sell out on the run, the problem is that they have other weapons, but equally they can line McCaffrey up and, and use him in the passing game uh, as well. He, yeah, he is the, the most important piece in what is a complex jigsaw for the 49ers offense. Probably a close second there, though, Brian, is, is Devo Samuel. We talked about him when we did our betting preview with, with Quinn Bet as being maybe a good pick for first touchdown score because he can do anything and they can use him anywhere, and Kyle Shannon loves having him available. Yeah, and it was very evident in the Packers game. He went out early with shoulder injury, and, you know, you're going to have struggles for large parts. Where because of that, I, I recall um, the Fortune Owners beat writer saying they literally had to rip up the script in terms of many plays they had in the game and kind of condense what they were going to do throughout the course of the game because he's not available. When you have him at your disposal, I mean, he's so electric. We, saw, we spoke with that beat down in Philadelphia. I mean, how many times in that game did he go off and yards after catch? There was a 64 yard touchdown in that game. He'd done it time and time again over the course of the season. He can be used as a running back if McCaffrey needs to be brought out for a number of plays. He's efficient in that position. It's the end of rounds. He's got all the talent to be a game breaker. So, for the, for the we spoke yesterday, Colin, when I was calling out the, the, the battle of the two tight ends as being critical to this game. It, it was my key to the game when we, we laid down our, our, our thoughts on that particular matter. Having said that, Kittle's playoff stats, he's been fairly quiet. The box score probably doesn't tell, to be fair to him, the contribution that he's made over those two games and when, when he's the crucial catches he's actually delivered. But again, he's somebody that you, you're expecting to and you want to step up to help Purdy manage those difficult situations. How many times have we seen Super Bowls won by 
a tight end quarterback connection that works when it needs to most. Yeah, and he has done that. Like he's come up with the big catches when so it's it's not he just hasn't been as involved, but he is such a key to them in, in the blocking game and in terms of tone setting. Like what he brings, I think, is we talked a little bit earlier. Kyle's on edge this week. You can sense it. George Kittle is not on edge. George Kittle is never on edge. It doesn't matter what kind of game he, he's involved in, if it's a, a Super Bowl or whether it was, I'd say, flag football. He... I saw the back and forth with uh, our, our Kiwi uh, media colleagues on the on the hat. He, he was loving it. He's... Yeah, he, just, he is. He's just the same guy, whether on and, on and off the field, brings huge intensity. And he, he will be a key um, component for them tomorrow. Now, it may not be in the, the passing game. It might be in terms of blocking and opening up lanes. Um, but that that is where he does a lot of the dirty work. And that, again, that's a key piece of both of these teams, I think, is the fact that when players with the ability of Kittle are willing to do the dirty work, time in and time out, it's so different yeah. from teams that don't compete. That's a really good point, because one of the things that brought the Packers very much into contention in their game with the Niners was the work that their receivers were doing in the, in the blocking game. And particularly Dontavian Wicks, we pointed out how you know he was able to, to hold Chase Young at times, you know, the massive size mismatch there. But their receivers really stepped up. The 49ers players, to your point, we've seen them doing that all season long. Dirty work, the stuff that's not that's happening off camera, where they're not the favoured runner on, on a particular, not the, not the chosen receiver on a particular play, and um, it's all that stuff that's got them where they are. Yeah, I'm just going to touch back on the kicking there. You talk, like, is that not kind of a nice kind of piece around the fact that he's he's at ease with the fact that it's the Super Bowl, he's here, you know, in the case he isn't getting some other players clam up, you know, can feel the pressure leading up to the game. I'm sure on both sides, smartest players that are playing and have been here before. That's where you need those players, whether they've won or lost in the Super Bowl, to you know. Kind of arm around the shoulder, say, Look, we're here, we can all work together. Because there is going to be players tomorrow that don't really show up. It's always in the Super Bowl. Expectations, he's going to have a great game. And it's always the player that surprises us that kind of comes up and makes a big play. Con, there are so many of those to choose from, though, on that Niners roster. It's only when you start getting into it in detail, you really realize the Swiss Army knife that Kyle Shanahan has available to him. Because we still haven't really spoken about Brandon Ayuk. We haven't spoken about Juwan Jennings, who's come up with some huge catches, particularly on that field goal, winning field goal drive against the Packers. Kyle Yushik is obviously mm -hmm. a handy enough man to have in short yardage situations. It goes on and on and on. Yeah, and that's the thing. They can the ability to line them up in so many different ways, right? Like Yushchek can be a fullback, but he can be a tight end. I mean, he and that's what Kyle does so well. His schemes are are fantastic, and the scripts tomorrow, right? The first twenty plays on both sides of the ball should be incredible to, to watch. It will be a proper chess match. Um, you know, I, I frequently describe American football as demolition derby meets chess. I think that will be very evident tomorrow. Um, and th that piece around, like, what Brian is saying, like, you know, Manningham and, uh, um, you know, David Tyree, there could be somebody who surprises us tomorrow, comes up with a, a big catch at a, at a key moment. But for the 49ers in particular, it's the fact that you have so many weapons and speed everywhere. Plenty of weapons on defense as well, Brian. But as you said, the 49ers defense has started slowly in both playoff games. They can't afford to do that tomorrow. No. Um, we put some stats up yesterday from the Bellagio. It was a five hits in the in the divisional round on Jordan Love, no sacks. And that's not going to work tomorrow. Like, let's be fair. They need to they need to get home. They need to get the sacks. The interior, the pressure has to come. You know, put Mahomes off the piece. Of it. We spoke about it. You did a great job, Matt, making around. And yesterday around the fact that Mahomes in the two games, the offensive line has really been sturdy, stood up where what I hadn't done for parts of the season. They're going to have to get home. And like, if, if, if Mahomes gets all the opportunity tomorrow and has the freedom, he's going to he'll turn him inside out. They're going to have to get home. And then the second has also been a slight concern over the course of the season. They've won games very comprehensively, but within those games, there's been made, big plays made on the defense. That's going to have to be eradicated tomorrow because they will be playing 
players that were big players up if given the opportunity for the Chiefs. For me, Colm, and I'd be interested in your thoughts on this, 49ers linebacker play is going to be absolutely crucial tomorrow. How Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner show up, particularly in the passing game, is, is could be the winning and losing of this one. Yeah, no, I mean, for, like, the, the two guys, Fred Warner in particular, is just spectacular. And it's kind of unfair in some ways that, like, in the way that the MVP always goes to quarterback, defensive player always seems to go to a pass rusher. Fred Warner is as good a defensive player as there is. Just not TJ Watt. We won't go there. <laughs> uh, but he is. He, he's such a guy. I mean, you're talking about, like, this is like Hightower. Right? This is who I see Fred Warner as. He is the key component. He identifies everything and he forces other teams, even the Chiefs, um, to, to game plan around him. And there are many uh, linebackers when they come along. They're very special. Um, Keekly, Ray Lewis. Uh, and you know that they read the game well, but they're so physical. And so that is should be a, a key matchup tomorrow. Is now, again, the Lions were able to exploit it a little bit and they were able to use the, the middle of the field. But you have to have the players to do that. You have to have the scheme to do that. And the, the Lions probably did a better job than almost anyone I've seen of separating those two linebackers and forcing them to do things that maybe they didn't want to do or getting them to... Usually they're so good at processing. And when once the play happens, they can identify it and they're there. The Lions did a good job early of maybe some misdirection. And it took a, a, a split second and they that helped them. That allowed them to get away from Fred Warner and allowed that early success that we saw the Lions have. In-game adjustment, we talk about it all the time. And no matter what, what game it is, over the course of the season, you see teams win a half time. And it's night and day compared to what we see in the second half. Defensively for the Chiefs, and he's just like Spagnolo, he's one of the best measuring up where we are defensively. It's like he comes to the fore in the second half, you know, eradicating certain things. It'd be interesting to see how we start tomorrow. We touched on yesterday. Neither team have taken the ball in the last two games. Someone has to take that opportunity tomorrow. Niners need to get it for me, need to get out on on the you know on the forefront in terms of getting them trying to get a lead, put the pressure back on the Chiefs. And then maybe then we see an opportunity for the, the Niners defense to pin their ears and go after Mahomes. One man's name that I'd like to mention, Colin, is, is Chase Young. Um, he's a guy who needs a big game in the Super Bowl. And that would completely eradicate the narrative that unfortunately for him has started to build where people are looking at him going, we traded for this guy. He's in a contract year and he hasn't shown up. No, he hasn't. And it's funny because when the trades happened, right, and, and commanders traded both of their star pass rushers, the feeling around the league was that Young was the better Young, deal. Young was the better deal. And he was going to go on and prove it. He came in. But it is an area that the 49ers have struggled with all season, right? They've brought in Randy Gregory. They've brought in uh, Chase Young. They're trying to generate pass rush. But you have to say the concern is, and it's real. Um, this is not one of those things where there is kind of a, a, a fake debate, like the, the party stuff, where it's only the fringe aspects. You can see on the tape, Chase Young did not put the effort in in the conference championship. Now, I, I have no doubt. His, his defensive coordinator didn't throw him under the bus, to be fair to Steve Wilkes. He was very clever about how he mm -hmm. positioned it. But he called his defense out for lack of effort. Well, it's it, it's good to see. It's important to see because the tape is there. You can, And tape doesn't lie. And you you could see just players just like, um, you know, kind of not putting the effort in. And in the case of Nick Bosa, probably putting too um, too much effort in. Like the, the Lions knew how to, to get him to bite. But for Young... I mean, this is the Super Bowl. You're there. It's a contract year. Like, the, people will forget about everything else if, if he was to have a game tomorrow. But will he show up? What's that term? The swordsman doesn't uh, concern himself. The second swordsman is more the unconventional swordsman that he would go after. I think Wilkes has to come up with something unconventional tomorrow. Because if the Niners' defense plays in the manner in which they played over the course of the last two games, I think the Chiefs will, will pick them apart. There's going to be, have to be an upheaval tomorrow in terms of something different, something that we haven't seen, some wrinkles to the defense that will get the Chiefs off kilter. All right, Colin, let's let's get down to business. We've been dancing around it for long enough, but it's time to.
put our colors to the mass. The colors are on the stadium behind us. Um, make the case. Who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl and why? I, I do think you can make a case for both teams, right? Um, and I, I don't think this is uh, going to be a surprise. This is not uh, the, the 49ers against my beloved Broncos uh, way back when, when Terry Bradshaw predicted uh, 55-7, and uh, we actually got 55-10. So uh, we, got, we got three points extra, Terry. Um, no, it's not that. Like I think both of these teams can have a really strong chance to, tomorrow. Um, I, I think if Christian McCaffrey goes off, that is the key for the, the 49ers. But, uh, um, and, and I would I really would like Kyle Shannon to get it, right? I mean, his, his dad uh, obviously got two, two rings for Elway. got a lot of affection for the Shanahan family. Um, but they are going up against a Chiefs team who just seem inevitable. And this, to me, I've seen bits of uh, Favre in Mahomes. I've seen bits of Manning. I've seen bits of Brady. I, I, I've seen... Um, bits of Lamar, but ultimately it's Patrick Mahomes, and that's the brilliance of Patrick Mahomes, and I, I said it earlier on the broadcast, to me he's playing the best football of his entire career um, not, not the most exciting, but the best he is being exactly what his team need him to be in the biggest moment, the defense is um, I, I think their ability to shut down the Ravens, now I don't think the 49ers will do what the Ravens did and stop running the ball, but I think the Chiefs defense is that good that ultimately this is going to be a, a, a game where the best quarterback wins it, and the best quarterback, not just in the game, the best quarterback in the league, and the guy who's chasing to become the best quarterback of all time, that's Patrick Mahomes. Well, if you'll forgive me one more eye-roll-inducing uh, movie analogy here, Brian. Colm said that uh, it felt like the Chiefs were inevitable. That's what Thanos thought until Iron Man snapped his fingers. Is that going to be Brock Purdy tomorrow? <laughs> I think the banner is going to come up now in terms of the full house and what the selections are. And I just want to give Aiden and Shane the, and Shane the shout outs. They've gone one on one, one Niners, one Chiefs. But I'm torn. I really am torn. I've been like, looking at the Super Bowls over the course of the last four or five years. Oh, you always get a good sense where you're at, your head's at in the week leading up to it. And Colin touched on earlier around the volleyball week, very, you know, predominantly people selecting in terms of the Chiefs all week towards the back end of the week, they're leading Niners. I feel a bit like that as well because like, I'm looking at the merits of both teams are in, and you just look at the Chiefs, and it feels very Patriot-like back in the day, inevitably to get it done. But this year, I see something different. I, I see a team that have consistently been the best team over the course of the season. Unfortunately, you could argue that with, any, with anyone. They've been the best team in stand up. Come to the playoffs, you could argue they've struggled, and they probably should have lost to the Packers, and they should have lost to the Lions. You know, if it wasn't for certain uh, play calling by, by Dan Campbell. Won't get into that again. <laughs> but... And reserve judgment. <laughs> I just see it differently this right. year. I just, sometimes you get a sense that it's their year. And last year when they lost to the Eagles, I think even within a week, some of the social media content coming out from the 49ers players was, we lost because we had no quarterback, not because we were the better team. And if we had had Pordy on that day, we would have. they were convinced they would have they won. And they said, we will we will right the wrongs and come back and win the Super Bowl this year. At the start of the season, we touched on it earlier. I said the Chiefs would beat the 49ers in the Super Bowl. So for that reason, I'm picking the 49ers to win <laughs> and get over the home and finally win the Super Bowl. And there'll be a lot of 49ers fans celebrating tomorrow into Monday. It will probably feel like a bank holiday for a lot of 49ers fans on Monday. I'm going to lean with a very tight game. And Shanahan writes the wrongs to the Falcons and writes the wrongs of a couple of years ago against the Chiefs when he let that one slip. I think the 49ers get it over the line tomorrow. Yeah, as you say, Brian, like going into these games, I, I nearly always have a conviction about one team or the other. And for most of the week, my conviction was that it would be the Chiefs. But you both make compelling cases, and I could see either of those scenarios playing out. Um, I found myself questioning my own thought process and saying, like, am I overweighting 
what the Chiefs did in two playoff games and forgetting about what they've been like for the for the past for the whole of the season. And we're not giving the, the 49ers enough credit for the greater consistency for, that they've shown for what on, as a roster is a better roster, I think, than the Chiefs. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But you know, you, you get that America's game mentality, and I start like fast forwarding through to which team is going to be looking back and what's the narrative of the season going to be, and you start you know getting vibes like that Giants team in 2007, like the Packers team, the Aaron Rodgers year, the year that they won, when they had to go win, win out the season just to, just to get a wild card spot and come through the hard way. The Chiefs have that kind of vibe about them that they just don't look like whatever's thrown in front of them, they're going to find a way to get over that obstacle. I think if you're looking for the 49ers to win, they've got to show something that I haven't seen them do in the playoffs, which, which concerns me. Yeah, they've been resilient. Yes, they've come from behind twice. You don't overlook a team that's overturned a 24-7 deficit. At the same time, you're looking at that team going, how do they find themselves 17 points down at home? What I've seen from the Chiefs is, particularly in that Ravens game, that they just feel like nothing's going to stop them. To your point, Colin, there is a certain air of inevitability about them. I think it's going to be a big, big effort required for them. I think it's going to be a relatively low-scoring game. I think it could be more akin to the Ravens-Chiefs game than the 49ers-Lions game if you're if you're looking to the championship games for, for a comparison. It, it, it's, it's unbelievably well-poised. I think probably... It, 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 it's, a, it's, a flip, it's a flip of a coin game for me, but I am going to lean with the Chiefs because I think in a fair fight, you, you nearly always back Patrick Mahomes to win. That, that, that's worked for me in the past, and I'm going to stay with the hot hand. I certainly would agree in the sense of the game, the nature of the game, I think it would be a lot more low scoring. That, you know, more strategic as Colin touched on rather than what we saw with the influx of points in the Lions game. I know we're going to wrap up. I think there's a number of people I, I'd like to call out over the course of the season. Once we're here doing this, unfortunately, to be here. There's a team on the Irish NFL show that helped out over the course of the season. Craig Rigdon, Shane Brennan, Kieran Boyle, Aidan O'Reilly, our sponsors, Quinbet, Noel McPartan, Kevin Fagan from Root Point, the team in Buskers. Over the course of the season, there's been a number of people that have helped the show out. And of course, the guys at CBS who have worked for us yesterday, today, it really is a team thing within the Irish NFL show. We're fortunate to be doing this piece. There's others in the background that really help. I'm very thankful for all their help throughout the course of the season. And if, if we're doing call outs, Let's make sure we don't forget the partners, children, pets, all waiting at home. The suitcase is going to be full of travel guilt gifts by the time we get back. I, I wasn't forgetting the family. I was going to say thanks <laughs> to our three boys at home who put up with us over the course of the season, but recognise the commitment and love we have for the game and, and how fortunate we are to experience another Super Bowl. Yeah, and we're looking forward to bringing you all the action from Allegiant Stadium behind us tomorrow. Stay with us on the Irish NFL Show. Thanks for watching all season long. Got just the big one left now to go.